podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. In the aftermath of the Shoramare disaster, in which as many as 20 people are said to have been killed, Five-year plan was sad to hear that Matt Grimstone and Jacob Schilt, two young Brighton supporters, were taken. As a fanzine that is involved in the promotion of the Robert Eaton Memorial Fund, in which Palace fans compete with Brighton fans in an annual fundraiser, the death of Jacob has come as as deeply sad news. Jacob competed against Crystal Palace in the last three matches and proved to be a brilliantly difficult, combative and talented player to face. Worthing United, his club, and Brighton Hove Albion have lost dedicated footballers and fans. While we consider Brighton to be our greatest rivals, a disaster such as this one calls for respect to be paid and for some unity in adversity. We wish to dedicate this podcast to their memory. Our thoughts are with their friends, families and supporters. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey, and uh, this one's going to be a slightly unusual one because we've only got three of us on it today. Um, We've got JD, hello, who's back from Edinburgh. Yep, and Andy. What the hell is going on here? Who's back from Sack and Crack? I've switched sides. I, I, I don't like this. Mm. What don't, I, well, I, I, I'm used to routine. You told me at the end of the last podcast I won't be here again for a while, so I brought out the bunting. A little celebration, and then JD's here, but he's he's a well, guest. And what's going on? Well, the feed, I mean, the feedback from Rob was was so good from our listeners that Rob was such a good host uh, that I thought we should bring him back, and then I don't have to do anything. So Sounds that good, was kind of it? my that was my uh, that was my plan. And also, after a hundred and forty something pods, um, I've never got to be on this side before. So I thought I'd see what it's like, and so far it's not that great because I've got to sit very close to Andy's dream. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, so, so uh, hi, yeah, it's me, Rob again. I'm I'm back. Um, yeah. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by JD. What is it? You're the host. You're <laughs> it's the branding consultancy JCIS, who are South London's number one consultancy on such matters, as well as Vector, your top embroiderer and embroidery needs type uh, entity. Yeah, you are Vector.co.uk. That's Vector with a. Okay, hey. and we should probably point out and that JCIS is jc-is.com. Oh, very good. So, yeah, that was See, a good street. JD knows, he's Thanks. been away, well, but he knows he's been listening. Street's been listening as well. Do you, you should do that more often on the board. Do you fancy being no, our no, spokesman? No, to, to be no. perfectly honest, I have a real difficulty with that spiel uh, about okay. JCIS, which is why I asked him to do it. Well, this is the thing. Like, JCIS are hoping that maybe in the future we might be, we might come up with a kind of uh, a wordplay thing like we did for Vector. Oh, Vector with a K. Okay. So I think they're hoping. So if you guys have any ideas or listeners that we could do for JCIS, that's as catchy as Vector with a K. We could like play on the JC thing. 
Yeah. So you got like Jeremy Corbyn at the moment. Je- Jesus Christ. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. So you could say Jeremy Clarkson. Be- better than Christ, but not as good as Corbyn. <laughs> okay. Is that going to be oh, too controversial? I feel like, yeah, like I feel like they wouldn't want to be attached to one political party. You know, it's not- Look, it worked for the Beatles. They said we're bigger than Jesus. So <laughs> JCIS, bigger, bigger than, than Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. So that, that's, a, that's a slogan then. Good. JCIS, bigger than Jesus. You're welcome, anyway, JCIS. <laughs> hopefully that didn't cause any offence to If any you're Christian, I apologise sincerely. I, I'm into all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, he is. We can't. Right. We haven't got time to go into that. But yeah, he is. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to talking about Palace for 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 a change. Um, yeah. So we we just beat Aston Villa. Yeah. A bit of a surprise, was it? Or, well, was I it mean, a surprise? I think it was a game. Go- I mean, looking at the fixture list when it came out, and we knew we had uh, from next week uh, Chelsea, Man City, and Spurs. Um, I, the Villa game and the Norwich game were the two games. I think we all agreed that we we pretty much had to win without kind of you know making any of them quote unquote six pointers or must win games. They were the games that we needed to get something from. So I don't think it was a surprise. I think the the main surprise was in the fact the way we played uh, and actually the fact that we won despite I think not playing particularly that well. Is that is that unfair? Well, you're supposed to be a guest, so you're not supposed to... <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm too used to asking questions. Okay, let me what are you supposed to do, um, JD? So as a guest, you come to a really to abrupt end. No, you don't even do that. You come to a really abrupt end because you make a point, yeah. you say it really emphatically, yeah. you say it as if you believe it, even if it's the most unintelligible tripe you ever heard, okay. and then you leave it at that. Right, let me start again then. Okay, I think it was a surprise that we won because we played very poorly, certainly in the first half, and arguably, over the course of the game, did not deserve to win. There you go, boom. Okay, I like it. Um, <laughs> I guess the question really is, um, with with regards to the formation, a lot of questions were asked on uh, online about it. Do you think, Andy, that it was was the was the formation confusing, or what? What do you think? Well, I mean, I felt that the the mix in the centre of midfield looks it looked a little bit disjointed. And you've got to kind of take into account it's a slightly new set of players in there obviously because Kabai's a new signing we've been used to having generally a big bad bastard at the base of the midfield to sort of reference last week's pod um, there's always been a Jednak or a Ledley there kind of shielding the back four we tended always to have the wingers giving really good protection to the full backs that didn't really happen they played a lot narrower if anything in terms big, of big bad bastard sounds like a Rolls Isle book that didn't get past the uh, production it does. Sorry. It does indeed. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, I completely forgot what I was saying. I mean, you, we didn't, you, well, made, you were saying, essentially saying that we that Jednak should have been playing. I don't want to go that far, but uh, because I think you quite often get to the position where lots of Palace fans think there's always a, a panacea for whatever the current problem is, and that, that you pick one player who will come in and change everything, and that there's a silver bullet or a magic cure for everything. And at the moment, there's a few people who are espousing the let's just bring Jednak back and it will solve everything thing. And I don't think that's always necessarily going to be the case against some sides, but my worry is that Pardew, in all three games so far, has decided to sort of issue that particular approach of having someone big at the base of the midfield. And and I think we've lacked a certain amount of physicality because of it. I think McCarthy and Kabai aren't bad defensively by any stretch of the imagination. They're not slouches, but they don't quite have the presence that someone like a Jednak would like a Which, when he came on for the last 15 minutes, we were surprised, surprised, suddenly much more solid. So it's not, you know, it's not a difficult conundrum. I think the interesting thing was that we tend to play with uh, two, at the moment, with MacArthur and Kabai as an almost holding kind of box-to-box players who switch roles and each one takes turns in, in going in a, in a more aggressive kind mm, of approach. Which they can do, yeah. And then the, the, the next three that play across, you know, the, you've got the two wingers and then the, the kind of number 10 role... And the idea is, from what I was seeing, that uh, we were trying to kind of 
switch each of those round every so often. The problem was, from what I could see, that that uh, Sacco was just not he's just not positionally aware yet and mm. I think in part that comes because he hasn't played to that system mm. you know he hasn't he hasn't been with the club for very long he's not really been uh, you know he's not been match fit so he's not played as often and I think you could see that there were times where you, you look at Sa- uh, uh, um, uh, Soiree playing at left back he was completely overrun for, for large parts and so as a result, we then move Punchin out to the middle, and then you end up with having to put Sacco in the center, in, into the centre, which is just not his position. Well, people were saying, I don't know, they said that, oh, Ward had a bad game, but <laughs> Ward, like Suarez uh, when Sacco was on the left, when Sacco went to the right, he, like you were right, he, he sort of ended up being central, and Ward was just completely exposed. And yeah, he didn't have a great game, but I think that mostly was due to the fact that Sacco left him exposed. And we've said on this pod previously that Balassi and Wilf in the last year have got so much better at tracking back and working for their defender and being more of a sort of team player than just kind of tricky wingers. And Sacco, I think, needs to learn that. And yeah, yes, it was his first game for Palace, and yeah, he scored a great goal and he showed promise. But he, uh, the, the the great thing about this squad is they've all learnt to play in this system and they know what they're doing for each other. And I think Sacco still needs still needs to learn. I don't that. know. I, I think we're come. changing the system. To be honest, like if you, I'm quite geeky with some of the stat stuff. And one of the things you can look at on four four two, I've got a really good stats app. And one of the things you can look at is sort of average formation. So where on average each player has played over the course of the match. And it was marked that for both the fullbacks, they were, like the, the average position of the wings in front of them was a lot narrower and a lot mm. further up the pitch than Definitely. it was last season. And I don't know if that was just the nature of that particular game or whether that's something that Pardew is going to try on a more concerted basis. But it seems to me that neither um, Suarez or Ward are positionally or defensively good enough to really take on that one-on-one type role or to be able to basically have to cover for themselves all the time mm. like they're, they're both okay if they're given adequate protection and you know you've either got a big bad bastard at the base of midfield to sort of patrol all around or you've got the wingers doubling up and coming back far enough but in the absence of that happening you can see us getting exposed quite well, a lot down the flanks this Suarez has pace Suarez has pace over Ward he's definitely quicker so should he get caught out of position I think Suarez can recover but obviously it's not ideal you don't want your fullbacks recovering all the time you want them to be positionally sound so they don't have to do that and if I mean if you're right about the, the going more narrow I, I worry about that a little bit because I don't think that's really that sensible and I don't know if that really suits you, we, where we play do you think that it might be that Pardew's playing a slightly more uh, uh, well, maybe more attacking way at home purely because we've we found that teams are now very often coming to Selhurst Park and playing quite a deep style of football you look at you look at Villa they ended up you know they started with with quite a defense not a defensive lineup but you know, they had a couple of players that they could quite easily bring on later on who, you know, like Adama, Adama Traore. Yeah. God, um, he was quick, wasn't he? Do you, but do you think that, that that's... that Because Villa really, you know, the, the, their approach was very much right down the middle. So in, in that regard, you'd argue that maybe going a little bit more narrow was intended to combat that. Um, is that is that something that, that Pardew would do because of the fact that we didn't haven't played that well at home recently and that, you know, it's not been somewhere where we've collected as many points? I know Pardew made... Um, made that made a point of that in the press conference that he wants to win more home mm. games. Yeah, oh. yeah, obviously. I mean, obviously, we need we need to win more home games than we did last season. That definitely because then it puts pressure on. Well, it takes pressure off away games. Although we seem to do very well away from home. But I don't know. I feel like Pards at the moment is trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point that Palace are progressing and we're becoming uh, almost like Stoke in a way. 
that we're changing our style and we can play sexy football and we're expansive and we're exciting to watch, which we are at times, but I don't want us to progress too quickly. I don't want us to kind of lose that, that solidarity we had under the way Pulis played, um, really going back to the way Friedman sort of started that formation. So it's, it feels like we're kind of evolving, um, but, but maybe part is trying to make us evolve a bit too quickly. Um, but having said that, we've won both the games we needed to, so maybe that's a bit too harsh. I mean, you, yeah, you've got to be careful. Like, I've, I've already said there that I didn't think the mix was quite right in the midfield on, on Saturday. Um, I, I think we've started all three games quite poorly so far. But equally, you're looking at things in terms of a small sample size there, really, aren't you? It's three games. Mm. Two of them, perhaps we've been a little bit more fortunate than, so, than we otherwise would have been. But and, and you're talking about thin margins in the Premier League, but ultimately the thing that people are going to look at when they come out of the game and it sounds like a ridiculous cliche but the thing that people will look at there is the results obviously because yeah. it's a results business and other football cliches but you know we bought ourselves at least some uh, sort of breathing space to allow them to bed in if the results sort of regress to the mean and even if, we, even if we all agree that we don't think Palace were particularly brilliant on Saturday we still had more shots more shots on target more I don't know, crosses, I'm guessing that. Okay, the shots on target and shots, we definitely have more of the others, I don't know. But we certainly, stats-wise, we looked like we, we were the better team, even though I don't necessarily think we... Maybe we were in the second half, I think we were better in the second half, but... What yeah. did you think of um, Murray and Zaha going off? Was that... Do you think that I didn't see, the but apparently they had a big Barney, didn't they, apparently, on the way off? Yeah, well, there's rumours they are, and then there's rumours that it wasn't as bad as reported, but... Do you, do you think that that change made a difference to the game? Because, I mean, much... Much is an interesting one. I think we probably could cover that separately. But I think, okay. do you think that? Well, I think what's nice about because um, we've done that in every game, haven't we? Every game, I think we've made a change at halftime. I mm. think I saw that. I'm not sure if that's true, but we certainly, certainly have done on um, on Saturday. It's it's nice that Pars is prepared to do that. And we've had previous managers, Holloway, um, who would have waited till 15 minutes towards the end and then chucked on three strikers. Mm. So it is nice. And Pars even said after Norwich, "Oh, I got it wrong in in the first half, or I got it wrong to start with." So. You know, and then he did that against Arsenal, and, and then he did that Villa. against Villa. Yeah, obviously, but I mean, at least you've got a manager who's who's ready to accept his failings and and try and change it. And on Saturday, it, we we were markedly better in the second half. Mm. And whether that was down to the fact the players came on, or maybe I don't know if Pards tweaked the system, or whatever. But clearly, he's someone that's ready to hold his hand up and change things if need be. Which, as fans, I mean, half you know. 50% of, of our fans' moans in the stands were always like, why is he on? I'd take him off. Oh, I'd bring, I'd bring Gail on, whatever. Pardew was doing that. So I think it's difficult to have a go at the guy when he's clearly trying to, trying to make up for mistakes he makes and actually trying to change things and be positive. Just on the subject of Jordan Much, what do you guys think of him? I mean, it, it, he seems to be one of those Marmite kind of players that some people like him, some, pe- some people just can't stand the sight of him in the team. And yet, to me... The, the contribution he made against uh, against Villa was one of being decent in possession and forward moving and, and ultimately we seem to lack that kind of incisiveness a little bit I his problem is going to be that he's got a very languid sort of style about him and he, he always looks like he's not all that busy which means that you'll end up with some fans preferring people who run around a bit more like headless chickens a la Guediura and Aki Realati because they look busier and not, I've already not, seen not about five pods goes by without Andy managing a, a dig in Aki Realati <laughs> even though he left the club about ten years ago but you know someone like much will retain possession better than a Guediura for example but he does look lazier in possession just because it's just his natural body shape I think he's more intelligent I think much is a more intelligent player he he manages to buy himself more time because there was even that stage uh, in the second half on Saturday when we were starting to come a little bit under pressure and he received the ball not too far out 
side, the, the Villa box to the left-hand side as we were from behind the home style. Managed to buy himself a little bit of time, turn inside, get it past the man, draw a foul, get a free kick. Yeah. And that's exactly the sort of player he is. Whereas Guediero would have probably knocked it past the man the other side, run the ball into touch, and everyone would have clapped him because of the energy he'd shown, mm. not taking into account the fact that his decision-making is fundamentally not as good. I mean, to me, Jordan Much is a very clever player between the lines, and that sort of player doesn't always, unless they're scoring all the time, get a huge amount of acclaim. Um, he, he's certainly the sort of player I think who, he's technically very adept his first touch is usually very sharp um, he started pretty pretty slowly at Palace and because of that I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for him to shake off that those initial perceptions because people come to snap judgments quite quickly and then don't like to be proven wrong on things mm. Do you think it's also a case of selective memory? I mean looking at the, the uh, at Twitter and also the, the forums there seem to be there's this kind of attitude to certain players that you know they make one make a couple of mistakes. I mean, uh, well, and and that is the focus. And then other players can make similar mistakes, and it, they don't even get mentioned. So, for example, Damien Delaney misplaced, uh, I think, two passes, and on both occasions they were they were simple passes that he should have done better with. Then again, Dan misplaced the pass Dan passed early the ball in the right first to half. Lahore. And, and, yeah. and they had a clear run on goal and, and it was it, had it not been for McCarthy who, who I thought was brilliant again yeah. um, we, we could have been 1-0 down at that point and, and with much do you think that that is also a case that there is that kind mm. of selective memory that you I know, think he's not a sexy he's not a very sexy player I think and, and I think a lot, a lot of a lot of um, idealism goes into football doesn't it and we like certain players regardless of what they do and I don't, I don't think much is going to be anyone's favourite, probably because of what Street was saying about his sort of weird language style. But I think he's very good. I think he's very intelligent. I think he finds space between the lines um, that, to be honest, Punchin wasn't really doing in the first half. Or Punch had a bit of a, a bit of an off game really on Saturday. So I think I think much is, has got a lot to offer. He's still quite young as well, and he just he just seems to me that almost that kind of Dougie Friedman style kind of intelligence of trying to find space and use the ball well, knowing when to draw a foul. And went to, to knock it on. So I, 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 I'm excited by him. I think there's a, there's a lot more to come to him. Much more, if you will. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> that was TV. He's, he's also uh, he's also got a bit of aerial presence about him as well, which not a lot of people have, have spoken about so far. I mean, yeah, he, he it's kind of a cognitive bias thing, isn't it? Could be, people know what they're looking out for in a player, mm. so that when it then conforms to that preconception, yeah. that they feel they've been vindicated. So people always speak about Jednak's passing without necessarily looking at the individual match whether it's you know pass completion rate and Ed Malian right now is coming out in shivers but whether his pass completion rate has been decent or whether he's given the ball away a huge amount in that particular match but they'll remember the one misplaced pass from Jim mm, Mack in that particular match yeah. because maybe there is an overall trend or maybe it's just a preconception they've got similarly people were looking for it in, in Jordan Much on Saturday probably because same with Alex McCarthy same with da- Damien Delaney yeah. you know Pardew said that Delaney was his man of the match I think that the way that he handled Gestead, yeah. who is First a half, really challenging oh player, he did a brilliant job. Yeah. And he got he took an early knock as well. You know, I think we, it's, there are times when players that probably deserve a bit of credit don't always get them, and those who don't, you know, the, the, it's the nature of football, I guess. Or on the flip side, someone on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, was saying that um, Murray had a bit of an off game uh, in the first half, and had that been Connor Wickham. Then a lot of fans would be saying, "Oh, this is a waste of money on Wickham. That was rubbish." I mean, because it, it was Muzzer, maybe we give him a bit more sort of leeway. Well, I suppose, and that's kind of natural. And you know, that's going to happen because he's built up built up a certain amount of, of capital and credit amongst Palace fans, and is able to, you know, probably get away with a, a bad performance a little bit more than someone who's a little bit newer and has come into, you know, perhaps not quite the acclaim that that, that Murray has. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's you know, 
the player who was dispossessed most on the entire pitch on Saturday was Sacco. Mm. Not many people probably mm. will have registered that or have had the sort of slight boredom that they did during the lunchtime that I had to, to have a look at those particular stats but equally Sacco managed to get five shots on target and yeah. you know what what catches a, a, a fan's eye more someone who's retaining possession really competently or someone who's shooting the ball all the time you know it's going to well, be maybe, and maybe it's why maybe it's why people are saying because I, 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 I after sat there I was like well Kabai didn't have a great game did he but I'd like to see his stats because I imagine Kabai probably retained possession more than anyone on the pitch and uses it very well but because he's not make he didn't score a goal or made a you know defence fitting pass you think he's had a bad game and same with Sacco I actually thought Sacco was really average on Saturday and everyone was raving about him and yeah he scored a brilliant brilliant goal and, and, and that's a great way to make your debut but I actually did remember the misplay passes and the crosses that didn't meet the first man and the couple of touches that were heavy. So I, I didn't think he had, he had a brilliant game. But again, maybe I'm focusing on the wrong things because five shots on target, some aggressive play, and a, goal. Take, a goal, he's taking and people on. Maybe that you know maybe that's what we should be focusing on instead. And arguably, you could say that um, that he, he might not have been included had it not been for uh, for Yannick Balassi's uh, omission yeah. um, as a result of uh, his his father's passing, which. I think we'll we'll you know we all want to wish his fan his him and his family absolutely yeah um, you know well you know, in the next couple of weeks because I'm sure it's you know judging by what people have said it sounds like his father was quite a, a strong influence on his life and so mm. uh, you know our thoughts are with Yannick um, in terms of the kind of the the, the lineup uh, well in, in terms of the goal scorers really we you know we mentioned Sacco uh, Scott Dan scored a, a remarkable header when you look at the amount of um, the, the, the challenge he was under at that point he essentially just picked up um, I can't remember who the defender was uh, it Clark, was Kieran, was Clark. Clark. Kieran yeah. Clark he essentially picked him up and just walked with him towards the, <laughs> towards the ball um, is that I mean our set pieces are, are clearly our are one of our greatest tools. Do you think that that teams actually worry about them? Well, they must when, do because you, know, you only got to look at the numbers. Like we've scored more set pieces in the 16. time that Pardew's been in charge than wow, anyone else. Really? I know that was in that was on match of the day, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That they they reeled out that stat, and um, you can stat. it was a very good yeah, stat. Good. I mean, a lot of that is to do with the quality of the delivery that usually comes in from the likes of Punchin, and, and now also Kabai, you'd imagine, will also contribute mm-hmm. to that. But the aerial presence of Scott Dan is just phenomenal. Like the guy's desire to get to the ball, his leap. I mean, he's not. He doesn't come across as quite so much of a, as a monster as the guy I'm about to mention. But it just in some ways, his desire to get to it just reminds me a little bit of Nemanja Vidic, just mm. in terms of his yeah. sort of pure sort of drive, well, drive to, to get it, yeah. to, to get on on the end of that delivery, and it always puts in a pretty good contact. You know, when I've just realised that I said that Punch never had a good game, and of course he got the assist for Dan's goal, so that is obviously worth mentioning. And that's what you get with Punch, isn't it? Like, it even, is even if he is a bit off the game, his delivery is still absolutely spot on, and I think one of the best in the league. So yeah, I think and. Clearly, set pieces work for us, so that should be something that we should be trying to do more of, you know, this season. We've got people, when you've got people like Dan in the box, and he's such a beast. Then, then why not? Why not try and get more goals from set pieces? So we we ended up getting a win out of it, um, probably not entirely deserved. Tim Sherwood didn't think so. Yeah. Um, do you yeah, think that, Tim do you, do you think that on the whole, that I mean, for me, on the whole, the performance <coughs> was one that was 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 probably worthy of all three points. They brought on Adama Traore, who I thought was terrifying, and I think the Palace players thought so too. Um, I guess it's it's just the case that that's probably what we want to round off this part on, that the, the fact that it might not have been a result that, that on the face of it we, we deserved, but ultimately it's, it's games like this that you need to win in order to... You know, in order to build up and, and keep going. Well, can... just just on that particular point, I didn't think we were fantastic, but 
I didn't think Villa were particularly great other than Traore either. Um, I thought that a lot of their play seemed to consist of hoisting in long balls to Gustedden and hoping for knockdowns mm. and to pick up bits and pieces around him. And there's a guy I follow quite closely on Twitter called Michael Cayley, who's one of these stats guys, and he produces little models of each particular game, and it's all based around sort of the, the type of chances created and sort of where they're created and to whom they fall, etc. And his model made us uh, worthy winners in that particular game. Interesting. So I, I thought that was sort of worth highlighting, although. You know, we might have been under par a little bit. We're probably still significantly better than Villa as a team. And, and I think doesn't... we were still just about better than them on the day. Yeah, another day because it's such thin margins, it could have been a draw. But um, I don't think we were bad value for a win. And doesn't that show our progress that we're a bit disappointed with the performance, but we still got a win? We were a bit disappointed not to get anything from the Arsenal game, even though I, think, I mean, Arsenal were better than us, but we still challenged them. We're progressing as a club, you know, progressing as a team on the pitch. So. And to, be, to, to have started off with six points in, in three matches, is it's not a bad record, really, is it's it? It's brilliant. I think, I think it's as much as we could have hoped for, certainly with the next three games. I mean, obviously, we could have hoped for nine. Yes, three, obviously, mathematically, yeah. I wasn't actually going to be facetious. For <laughs> no, but you had the, your face said facetiousness. Um, no, it's just my face. <laughs> your resting <laughs> face. you got a facetious resting face. Um, no, but certainly with the next three games coming up, we, we had to get a result. And, you know, we're in a... We're in a this is the first time... We're three three years in the Premier League now. It's the first time we've had a decent start to the season. Mm-hmm. Last two have been tricky. We've actually and, got a decent start now. And the word is that Pardew uh, is someone who struggles at the start of the season. So that's an interesting one, isn't it? Myth busted. There we go. Well, join us in part two, uh, where we will answer some of your questions. <laughs> Welcome back to part two of the Five Year Plan Podcast. <laughs> That was a really sharp start. <laughs> that was weird, isn't it? Um, <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by JC Innovation and Strategy, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com, as well as Vector Printing, and that's www.vector.co.uk. And what that's do, Vector what, with a K. And what do Vector do? What, like, uh, what, Vector is, what do, are they about? They do um, embroidery, essentially. We learned a lot about that last week with um, Doc Brown's Needs. Did you? Of, really? He's got lots of needs. Has he? He's got needs, yeah. Yeah, he's okay. really needy for embroidery. <laughs> Good. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they do all that kind of stuff. And JCIS do brand consultancy. They do. And they're better than Corbyn. They are. <laughs> better than but Corbyn. But we're not going to compare them in any way to any form of deity, including Jesus Christ. No. Good. Better than Corbyn, I think. That's, that's, that's good. That's strong. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say he, he's hot right now? In terms of scale, right would you say that where, where do you think JCIS? I think JCIS could probably fill more town halls than Jeremy Corbyn, but yeah. probably couldn't feed as many people as Jesus Christ just to placate all the Christians out there. And I'm really sorry. Please, but, that, but what about? Don't issue but now what about? War against me. But now what about all the staunch left-wing Labour supporters that you've you're just really upset? Yeah, you're, you're not getting. Look, no, I'm going to flip-flop next. Okay. But I'm going to go and talk about... Well, next it'll be better than Jeremy Clarkson, which oh, I think yeah, we yeah. can all agree that's, is fact. That's true. Yeah. That yeah. is true. That, that's just a fact. Yeah. Right, so uh, this part is uh, questions. Yeah. So we've got a load of questions this time. Um, Len Hurst. Oh, hi, Len. Hi, Len. Uh, he asked, we talked about uh, much a little bit earlier on in yeah. the first section, but um, after Galen Much came on, uh, we played on the park instead of in the air. Um, we always look to do that when we... Uh, we always look better when we do this. Does anyone agree? I think we forgot to mention Dwight Gale, didn't we? I don't think we, we mentioned did. Gale once yeah. in part one. Um, I, I don't think he did that much, but um, it was good to see him play. What was the question? I'm oh, sorry, I was thinking about Dwight Basically, uh, are we better playing? We, we seem to make changes and then play the ball on the ground a lot more when we do. Um, is that... Does he? Do, does anyone agree? Do you agree, yeah. Andy? Yeah. Sorry, I'm not Andy, but yeah, carry on. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> 
great. What, <laughs> what to, 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 do we prefer well, seeing the ball played on well, the ground? I guess, than the, I guess yeah, yeah. the question is, is basically, I can't believe we have to, I have to kind of go into a bit more detail about this. So basically, I think the, the question really is, we seem to start matches with, a, with an approach that is a bit more uh, focused on providing an, an aerial threat. Is it? Do you think that it's better that we play it on the ground? And do, do the well, changes that no. we make at halftime tend to? When you take buy? off Dwight, when you take off Glenn Murray and bring on Dwight Gale, then you're going to have to play it on the ground more. You, although Gayley, to be fair, does win a fair few headers, but you, you can't then. And start. Jordan much played played the headers a lot more. True, as well, but I think you're by, by having a little guy up front, you're naturally going to play and play it more on the floor. I think to be honest, it it, it, it depends on who you're playing. I mean, you can't against Arsenal last weekend. We were sort of lobbing balls into the box. For Wickham and against Permatasaka, you're never gonna you're never gonna win them. So maybe it depends on more who you're playing against. We'd all love to see Palace playing sexy football on the floor, but it doesn't always work out that like that. I think sometimes the the nature of the game and the flow of the game dictates as to how you need to play. And if you've got to change it up, like we said in the first half, parties ready to do, then that's fine. I think that answers the question, doesn't it? Yeah, Andy's nodding. Um, <laughs> good question. Um, nodding Wayne, works really well on radio. It does um, well, good nodding, yeah. yeah. Wayne, who uh, hi Wayne. Whose Twitter handle is uh, Winsey? Winsey, I guess. Hi, Winsey. Uh, do we think that Charlie Austin would be the elusive twenty-goal a season striker for us? Right, there aren't. Right, this has been covered yeah. a lot, but okay. I'm going to go off and go on here. Okay. Go on, Andy. So, so number one, there's, he did, he's not scored twenty goals in the Premier League anyway. Even when he was playing in a four-four-two, where he had a batting ram to provide service to him on a plate at all times. Number two. He's only played one season at Premier League level, so you're talking about a, still a pretty small sample size. You know, anyone can have a purple patch of a season. Mm. Um, number three, he doesn't necessarily always put in the amount of work or have quite the phys- physical presence that you want of a big man up top in the type of system that we play. And he's not going to come cheap. I mean, fifteen million pounds isn't that expensive for a striker these days. You know, you've only got to look at the fact that um, was his name Gray who went to Burnley from Brentford the other day for nine million quid. Yeah in the championship you know you're going to pay a reasonable amount for a striker no matter whom particularly if they're English um, no I'm not convinced Charlie Austin would come here and score 20 goals as a striker because very few strikers in the Premier League score over 20 goals you know you're looking and I've said this time after time you're looking at the likes of Aguero Kane and very very few who ever go over that threshold and there's a reason that Sergio Aguero would cost what he would cost if anyone was going to be able to sign him if you're going to be a successful Premier League side now it's not just about having an AJ like we had Sort of 10, 15 years ago, who would? How many years ago was it now? Ten years ago or so. Mm. Who was is going to is going to contribute twenty goals, and there aren't going to be a huge amount of goals coming from elsewhere in the team. If you're going to be a successful Premier League team now, you've got to have goals coming from th- throughout the park, including even occasionally from your centre backs, mm. from the type of set pieces we were talking about in the previous part of the pod. And it's not just going to be about going through one particular player. And we managed to achieve tenth last season without having a twenty goal a season striker. Man United managed to make Champions League places last season without having a 20-goal-a-season striker. It's, it's just not the way football works these days. Do you think it's also the Unless fact Unless you're Man City. <laughs> They're quite, <laughs> quite good at football. So. You look at, you look at the, re- the, the teams that were relegated. Burnley had, had Danny Ings, um, and he's gone to Liverpool. And, uh, uh, is he injured, or is he just not playing? Um, I, I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make is that relegated teams tend to have a single focal point, and that's what... That's what Charlie Austin was for QPR, just as Danny Ings was for for Burnley. Do you think that that kind of played a part as well? Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, as has been said, he played in a four four two that was kind of geared around Zamora doing his work up top, but which left them far more vulnerable as a team. Would would 
it have had the same effect had he played up there on his own and they'd t- taken a slightly more I don't know progressive approach to how they set themselves up maybe I, the thing is I'm not going to write the guy off because he has clearly scored goals every level up to the Premier League and then had a good season in the Premier League albeit with the caveats that I've said there but I think people who are going all out and saying you know were we to sign Charlie Austin it would mean another four places up the league table it, it's just it's just fanciful to my mind I agree Although I'd like to say there's been rumours this week that, that, that Loic Remy might be back on because Chelsea are potentially, because of their dodgy start, looking for another striker. So were that to happen, I actually think Remy could be that guy that could maybe take us to the next level. But Charlie Austin, I agree, I'm not convinced. Certainly not for £15 million. I think there's been a lot of talk about both, and I think in, to some extent the ship might have sailed with both of them, really. Um, okay. I hope not. I'm holding out for Remy. Yeah. Uh, ben Allen um, Hi, ben. asks... Hi, ben. Um, once again, the HF were prevented from doing their display. Um, do you think the club are right in uh, in their decision? And is there a possibility that they might be risking the support? I think we've got to be careful yeah, about yeah, how much we say. Because in, in all these sort of situations, you're going to get rumour and counter-rumour and um, sort of implications and counter-implications. It sounds, from, from what's been said, that... Uh, the council had some form of involvement with some things and it does sound like the council were being overly officious the extent to which the club are involved with that council involvement isn't really entirely clear at this stage obviously the issue with Adrian Roberts being appointed to the club has caused a bit of rupture with some fans and um, has been you know badly received whether or not it's him that's responsible for you know the slightly more officious approach that we've seen this season I, I wouldn't necessarily like to say so, lots of people are inferring from his previous involvement with the Met that it's solely down to him and obviously what we want to see is we want to see the displays yeah. at Selhurst you know we don't want to and I don't want to sound like a Daily Mail reader who starts going on Daily Mail readers are fine if you're listening uh, who wants to go on about health <laughs> and safety gone mad or, or anything like that um, things do have these displays do have to be done safely um, but equally you know it seems that I, I thought the club's statement on it was slightly misguided in terms of its tone it seems to me that there was already an ongoing dialogue between mm. uh, the HF and the club uh, and the manner in which it was stated was just overly emphatic I think that maybe the, the the point behind the statement was really the club trying to show that they were doing something about it publicly which perhaps they were needing they needed to do with regards to the council perhaps because of, I mean, of safety certificates and everything else but either way really the impression I get is that there with the initial display there was a mix up in communication and perhaps with this second incident where they weren't able to, to perform their display, um, sounds like they're cheerleaders or something, but they have, uh, that they weren't able to perform um, mm. in, uh, against Aston Villa before the Aston Villa match, that perhaps that was in reaction, that, that there was some kind of reaction from the council to Can I just say, I don't, I don't think we should have the HF doing cheerleader routines on the pitch. Can I just confirm we don't want that to happen? No. It's, um, it's bad enough having scantily clad ladies doing it. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, rounding that one off, um, that was a good question. Um, we've got a question from Colin Squires. Hi, who, Colin. Hi, Colin. Who asks, uh, do we think that £5 million for Murray would be an acceptable fee? As in, would you actually accept it? If so it I'm going to have to give a shout out here to uh, Kevin Thompson, friend of the pod, who has a little rant about this particular subject every time it comes up. He gets really annoyed with people who go, well, I'll take £5 million quick. He goes, you're not getting the money. Why, why are you saying this? Mm. But just to annoy Kevin, I'm going to say, yes, I would take that £5 million. Because right. realistically, you've got a guy who's already starting to look like his uh, legs are ageing more and more. Um, he looks a little bit off the pace at the start of this season. Um, he had a fantastic end to last season, obviously. You, you have to wonder whether that was the Indian summer for him. 
Um, yeah, if you were in the club's position, you'd have to think really, really carefully about five million quid for a 31 year old who's recently had cruciate issues. Um, obviously, I'm not going to see the five million quid, Kevin, so I'm not in a position to accept I, it or not. I would actually disagree. Um, and purely because five million to a club like Palace now, and this seems weird, crazy to say this given where we were five years ago, isn't that much money. In fact, it's really a drop in the ocean considering, considering the money we're going to make from TV and prize money and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I actually think Murray is more valuable to the squad in terms of his presence, he's an older head. We've already seen him linking up with, with Wilf and stuff, and I don't know how much he helps Wilf, but whatever, like Wilf has impressed uh, and got better. And I think maybe for someone like Wickham, and maybe even Bamford to an extent, although Bamford obviously is only here for a season, I think Muzzer is the sort of person that, that Wickham could learn a lot from. So, And yeah, that does sound a bit like a cliche, but I think it'd be a shame to lose him because he's clearly someone that the players look up to. And for five million quid, five million is not that much money, really. So even, even though I don't think he's really our guy up top long term I'd like to see him stay because I think he offers a lot behind the scenes if he to me I, I can't I agree with you JD actually um, I think that oh so do you both sorry <laughs> but um, I, I think that, 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 that firstly I think he's he hasn't had a great start but we're only three games in um, and I think people probably allow that to almost paint their judgment a little bit um, I think Glenn Murray is also someone who has the experience that you would would you know that that would help to carry us through and as you say 5 million pounds now let's say for example that he scores four four goals this season and that's it mm. now if those four goals come in situations where we're either drawing nil nil or you know where where they're key contributors yeah those goals can make enough difference for us to actually get the money at the end of the season and if that you know with with the experience he has i think that there is definitely the potential for him to score that many if not more what about if an alternative in his position would score more than four goals? Well, this is true, but the, the, <laughs> you can never guarantee ca- anything but, like but that. To That's ca- such a lawyer to ca- thing and to you say. Can't, even even for Murray, you can't guarantee that he'll score. No. But the the other thing to bear in mind is that there's <laughs> there there is some talk about um, Shamak potentially being injured until yeah. you know there there were some rumours on Twitter about him potentially. Although being he out looked right doing the dizzy penalty, he did. didn't he? Did you see did. that? He yeah, did, he did very well. Um, and then also Wickham is currently injured as you well. So that. what's a dizzy penalty? They did a video. Palace did a video. Around you spin around for like ten times, times and then try and take a penalty. It, it's it's been going around the, the, the uh, Twitter sphere. But okay. Palace did it today. Mm. It looked, it's, it's really good. Uh, they yeah, clearly exactly. they clearly did not do that today because everyone knows that there's been a monsoon in South London today. And it was so they probably, whatever, 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 probably did it whenever, yesterday whenever. or earlier early last week. But it was but good. Anyway, Shamus looked in good shape. Either way, it could well be that that he and Wickham are out for the next week or two, like a couple of weeks. What's the deal, Wickham? Why wasn't he playing on Saturday? He was injured. Okay. Um, from what they said but it could be that we, we don't know exactly what the recovery time is for him but I think that, that you need depth and I agree at the moment unless we make another signing in, in that attacking position we can't really the only thing with Murray is he's a player that's worked up through the, the league in his career he's been brilliant for us scored 30 goals in the championship drove us to promotion he's been a great servant and, and at 33, 34 or however old he is 31. Is he really only 31? Yeah. He's the same age as me? Yeah. I look so much better than he does. I won't go Um, that far. And if... No, but if... Someone like that, if they want to play games and they they want to leave to play games, then I don't think we can begrudge him because he deserves it. He's uh, he's earned the right to go and play games somewhere else. And if he really wants to leave, he's not happy with being a backup player, then I I don't think we can stand in his way. And I don't think most Palace fans would begrudge him going to get first-team football. Lovely stuff. Great question. Um, Simon Kelly... Hi Simon. Um, Twitter handle Simon Kelly 1759. 
uh, asks, uh, kind of a, along the same vein, uh, Murray or Wickham, Zaha or Sacco, Doritos with chips or cheese board? Well, well, obviously a cheese board. I guess it's a choice between, you've got to make a choice between the two of each. So, okay, so what were the first Murray ones? or Wickham? Uh, Wickham. Uh, Zaha or Sacco? Zaha. And then Doritos with dips or cheese board? Cheese board, easy. Um, I'd probably go with the same choices, to be honest. Yeah, Although, I think so too. We're, we're to, we're, full we, disclosure, we, we are eating a cheese, essentially a cheese board. Right now, with, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this is the most middle class podcast yeah. ever. Well, I think Mike's last week was pretty middle class, especially with the wine that we had as well. You had wine as well? Yeah, James, you've let us I'm, I'm kind oh, of this bit. sorry. Are you really? <laughs> oh, Fine, whatever. Anyway, um, okay, and then moving on. Um, uh, is it encouraging that we have, uh, on, on the, the topic of Sacco, is it encouraging that we have a winger who loves to shoot and seems pretty good at it too? Yeah. Well, that's one thing Pards has said, isn't it? In, in recently, in towards the end of last season, he wants he wanted Will from Yarda to score more goals, and uh, clear. Oh, I'd imagine that Sacco has been bought with that in mind because he's a guy that scored quite a few goals for Wolves and uh, has a decent shot, a very powerful shot. He absolutely he larrups it, doesn't he? Street to borrow one of your phrases. If it's not your phrase. He didn't make it up, but you do like saying it. Um, but I think I think yeah, I, that is. We, I mean, you, you said earlier, Street on the pod that we want more goals to come from more positions. So if you've got a, a winger who uh, likes to, to, to shoot and score goals, then that's only going to improve the side. I think Sacco's still got improving to do, uh, and you know, it's a step up from the championship. But uh, you know, he's looked. And he's played at this level before, to be fair. But you know, it's going yeah. to take him a little while because you know people forget that since he last played in the Premier League, he went down to League One with Wolves because he stayed loyal to them. More or less single-handedly fired them back up into the Championship, then pretty much nearly single-handedly fired them into the uh, playoffs, although they didn't make it. It's it's a very different pace of football at yeah. this level. So, albeit that I did say in the 86th minute he's clearly a Championship player, <laughs> and then the 87th minute he scored the winner Fact. in a yeah, Premier League true. match in his first on his debut. <laughs> Um, you know, there's going to be some more sharpness to come from him, and I think his technique when he's shooting is lovely. His decision making will need to step up a gear. Mm. Um, he's got a lovely left foot, though. Isn't he? he has got a lovely left foot. I mean, there were a couple of occasions when he shot when I thought he fundamentally shouldn't have uh, the first half one where he was about sort of 36 yards out. Decided to have a go, went straight down. But did you know, it's on match of the day that was our only highlight. Yeah, yeah, he shot yeah. distance, and equally in the first half, equally the one that he fired at uh, Guzan's face. Um, <laughs> Not like that. Fired at Guzan's face. Yeah. I felt that he had options in the box that would perhaps uh, would have been a wiser choice. You know, it's going to take a phenomenal shot from there to beat Guzan from that type of angle. Arguably, he's got it on him. But uh, yeah, he, he you know he's got a real strike in him. I would say also he's a very. He, I think he's potentially one of our smiliest players. He's he got a very, nice big smile. He seemed very happy. Yeah. yeah, which is um, hopefully will come with more goals in the future. Jack Pierce again along the line of Sacco. We really Hi, we're segueing from one question yeah. to Hi, another. Jack. Um, he asks, in light of his performance, uh, who what was the poor performance? Well, okay, but let's say, let's say, let's <laughs> for, this, on, for the point of this, let's say it was a good performance. Okay. Um, in light of his great performance, uh, do you Ooh. think that um, uh, who do you think? Well, who was the best Palace debut that you can remember? Who, who had the best oh, Palace debut? You can that remember? is a good question. That is a great question, which has now put me on the spot massively. I, well, I remember. Should probably have prepped you for this. But yeah, you definitely yeah. should have done. A good host would Although have done that. You sent me the questions. James, a good, ho- so. good host would have done that. I didn't, I didn't read them. Um, I I remember Clinton Morrison's debut. I was there for that, and he came. Several Wednesday. Several Wednesday, last game of the season in '98, when we were terrible at home. In fact, that was only our second home win of the season, I think. Um, and he came off the bench and scored. Um, he only played like five minutes at the end, so it's difficult to say it was a good debut. But that was one when I think everyone was like, "Oh, hello, Lombardos. Who's this guy? Lombardo scored in this." Debut, yeah, and he was brilliant. It was that way, Everton? And, and he was he was at the game. 
He was, well. which we missed because yeah. we went out a half time. No to chat idea because we couldn't half. hear the announcements because yeah. the Homesdale speaker system. Goodbye as well. Yeah. Scored in his debut. So. Um, I, for me, really random. One of the the, the two players that I really remember mate, He's making. He's going to say David debuts. Weasley, isn't he? He's no, David Weasley. <laughs> no. Richard Harris. Funnily enough, it's around that era. Uh, Tommy Black and Julian Gray. From what I remember, they both played brilliantly the first game they played. It was almost like they'd come from Arsenal's uh, academy mm. and they just. Tore it up. And they then, were good in the first few weeks. Yeah. I'll, I'll also offer Matt Janssen, I think, yeah. scored in his debut away at Aston oh, Villa. Brilliant. Was that his debut? That, or was it his first start? But certainly one of his first beat three men and then smashed it in from. Although we're now just talking about people who scored in the debuts. Well, that was that. Tom Ince also did. Wasn't that the question? Did, didn't we have that game where Tom Ince scored on his debut? And did Led Led score in this game? Yeah. Same game? Yeah, I think he did. So that, well, that was the best debut game. Home to West Brom. I think, let's yeah. go with that as the best we'll go, debut we'll game. Go with, yeah. yeah, we'll go with the West Brom one. Yeah. Even though Tom Ince obviously went on to star for us with a <laughs> long and prodigious career for Palace. <laughs> Uh, that was a good question, Jack. Great well done. question. Um, Lee John Hughes. Hi, Lee. Um, Hi, Lee. He asks, with all the new players that um, that we've seen arrive, uh, is the re-signing of Dan our best acquisition? Yes. Yes. Easily. Yeah, without doubt. We were saying this in, mean, the, in the pub afterwards. Uh, Can you imagine the season we could potentially have, and I'm still worried about it now, if Scott Dan gets injured? Mm. Well, we, yeah, we discussed well, this last time, yes. didn't we? There was this kind of apocalyptic look at how, how awful things could <laughs> Classic be. Classic palace. Well, I mean, because yeah. he, he is, I, I think, and if anyone wants to disagree with me about this, then they're wrong. Uh, he, he's the best centre-back we've had at Palace for the last 30 years. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, he's good. I mean, people of, fans of that 1990 era will probably say that Andy Thorne... Well, they're, and they're wrong Eric and also Young. old and won't be able to chase, chase after me particularly <laughs> fast. So I'm, I'm still sticking with it. He's um, he's definitely one of our best centre-backs And he's ever. also, you know, far about... I'm, I'm not going to say anything disrespectful to Damo or to Hangeland, who I think are, you know, very competent defenders, but neither of them are at the level that Scott Dan is. So, yeah, there's been, it's been a massive coup to him. No, but Scott Dan, Scott Dan has... has, has uh, Damo has improved immeasurably from and playing it, alongside Scott Dan. Of course, in of course. fairness to Hangeland... Uh, in his prime, he was, you know, there was a, a point where he was he was wanted by Arsenal yeah. and a couple of other clubs. He he was on top of his game at that point. Well, Jim Cannon's prime was pretty Fair good point. too, but you're not going to just <laughs> right. hark back to his prime, are you? We're in, we're in point. Johnny but, Burnley's prime was good, but you know he doesn't play. Put Peter Simpson up front. Why not? <laughs> uh, yeah. what, hey, what was the question? What was the question? Um, um, just whether whether get it, signing Dan to a new contract. Well, imagine if we, if we if we'd lost Dan in to Everton in, in uh, the summer, and we'd still signed Kabai and Wickham. We, we wouldn't leave me talking about that we'd still be talking about what we're going to do at centre back and we do need another defender and I don't know if we're going to get one or not in this window but Michael Co- Hector's been spoken about isn't he? Who? Who? Michael the Hector? Reddit, Reading, uh, young Reading defender who's 23. spent the good? last seven or eight years on loan at different I'm glad players. I brought that up just yeah. to expose JD Thanks, that's great that's all right. um, oh, yeah, I, we, we still <laughs> JD need is now it. sitting in naked it's really awkward <laughs> um, well it's my house um, yeah, yeah another defender please yeah. okay great um, Miles Loudon Asks, with Gail and Jedi getting game time on Saturday, was that confirmation uh, that they're in Pardew's plans, or do you think he's putting them in the shop window? Oh, that's a good question. Good question. That's a good question. I, I suppose there's only one person who could really answer that, to be honest. And it's, I don't know, Jed- Jednak, I felt, uh, shored up that sort of defensive box in front of the, in front of the centre backs after he came on. So, mm-hmm. um, you'd think it would be a little bit reticent of Pardew to let him and Ledley go and to not retain anyone in the squad like him. Gail, you know, there's been talk about bids. Apparently we accepted the one from Bristol City, so you do wonder whether it's a shop window point with him. Um, there's also been talk of, you know, Brighton being potentially interested, Bournemouth 
been potentially interested. You'd think that if a sufficiently big bid came in, that he might be off if it's a, if it's a move that he wants to make as well. I think it's uh, interesting actually on the on the subject of Gale's bid that to, perhaps for Palace it was an opportunity to say to, to Dwight Gale they aren't actually that the clubs that are being linked coming forward to bid for you when that bid comes in. Mm. Like Bristol City put a bid in and you know all that kind of talk of maybe Bournemouth potentially Norwich neither of those sides came in. You know there there is that that question of whether it was, you know, could it could it have been gamesmanship in order to try and show him that actually staying at Palace isn't such a bad idea, mm. even if you do end up playing on the bench, because then you come on at half time, as he did uh, for us, and and could essentially have a have a player part in changing the game. But that's if he wants to be a Premier League footballer, he, he needs to understand that he's either going to play in a doomed. 4-4-2 type team that decides to persist with him because he's a goal scorer or he's going to have to be a bit part player at a team like Palace and there aren't that many better alternatives to him I don't think than being a bit part player at a team like Palace particularly given that you know if, if what we've heard about the Shamak injury is true and if Wickham ends up being out for a prolonged period you're going to need options there mm. and, and he had a good game against uh, Villa I he came on and won, won a few aerial duels I mean, well, he I almost... it wasn't his best it wasn't his best performance but he still contributed yeah, I <laughs> just sit on the fence and say, um, I, I, I think both of them, Jedi and Gale, still have roles to play for Palace. Um, it's a long season. You're going to have some games, as as we said previously, some of two halves. <laughs> but it's <laughs> not just about this one game. Take each game at times. There'll be some games where you need an enforcer. You will need Jedi in some games, and there'll be some games where you will need Gale. We'll be chasing result, and you'll need fresh legs against. Oh my god, I'm just rolling out the cliches. Um, You're actually a football cliche machine. I am. A big it's quite fan. impressive. For me, they both got. I would like to see them both stay. They both, I, I think, are important players. Maybe not first team, and and Jedi, I think, isn't maybe quite a, as imperative as he used to be in terms of regular uh, action. But I still think they're both important players. I guess it's a conundrum for the two players as well because they both know what the consequences are if they do stay unequally. Mm. They have got. They could well have the opportunity to move on if they want it. Um, Good question. Yeah, very good question. Some good questions today. Um, Top questions. Kevin Childs is asking. Hi, Kevin. um, What do you think of Balassi to Spurs? I mean, there was there was talk in the Croydon Advertiser today um, that that has since been seemingly seemingly since been dismissed. Um, Really appropriate to publish that around time that he's on compassionate leave. Yeah, Mm, it is not great. It's unfortunate timing, but I mean, there is. Do you think that twenty million, if that is the quoted price, or nineteen million? Do you think that's a realistic valuation of him? And would you? I take. I take it. I would take twenty million. Kevin you're Thompson really loves that. Yeah, yeah. you're really going to upset I'm someone. So I'm sorry. Um, I love Yala to bits. I think he's absolutely brilliant, and he's just he's so good to watch. And again, like Sacco, I don't know why this is important to me, but a very smiley player, and I like smiley players. Um, not that that really matters at all. Um, I think twenty million. I think that would be that would be good for Palace. I just do. I think that's. I, I think that is probably these days. I know. Valuations are crazy these days, but I think that probably is a bit more than he's worth. And you know, we could use that money well. I don't. I don't know. But, but, but would maybe it be uh, feeling like we're kind of uh, missing out if we, if he goes? I don't know. I, I I would I would take it. I think it's one of the very very few mooted deals that you hear where you think that would be bad for all parties. Mm. I think Yannick would be under instant expectation oh, to I perform agree at that, top yeah. six level, which I don't think he's actually capable of at this moment. I think we lose a player who seems to always fit perfectly into our system, albeit with certain limitations. You know, We all know that 
Yannick isn't quite as decisive in the final third as perhaps he should be. But you know you're going to get the sort of physicality with him, the directness, the ability to beat your first man, to occupy players and to really worry opposition uh, fullbacks and wingers who have to track back to go with him. Um, Palace will perhaps struggle, albeit you've got Sacco in now, but will perhaps struggle to find an equivalent type of player Mm. to change certain types of game for a huge amount less than 20 million because of the sort of craziness of football prices these days. And Tottenham would undoubtedly be buying at an overvalue. So uh, I think all parties should just not bother. I, I, I personally think it would be a real shame to see Yannick go. Yeah, firstly. definitely. Oh, definitely. I, and and as, 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 crit, like, as, as critical as this might be a point, I don't think Spurs would actually be that much of a step up for Yannick. I think that he could do better. If, you know, give it another season and really, you know, really impose himself and he could do better than that. The mm. other thing is, I think Palace fans sometimes look at a player and think, well, you know, Yannick, oh, well, you know, all the his creativity you know he, he doesn't score enough goals he doesn't create enough but the thing is that's not always what he plays like that's not that's not always his role you look at the way that he he the work that he does and then compare that to Sacco at the weekend where it left our wing back exposed you know our, our wing backs were left very exposed mm. during during the first half especially um Yannick is the kind of player that puts that that has has made that position that wing position his own where he's essentially we, 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 with with a player like Yannick, you, you're essentially playing two wing backs because Yannick works that wing so much, mm. um, and, and losing a player like that takes a lot of time to adapt to because you've got to find someone who fits into that model and does exactly the same work mm. that, that Yannick did, you know, and and, get, and and you have to have to hope that they can do that and can exactly hit the ground running, which of course we didn't need with Yannick because Yannick was a punt, you know, on a player that wasn't playing another club. We were, we were and, struggling. And He's progressed point. into a, into a great player. I think Street's right. I don't think it'd be, Spurs would be the wrong move for him. I think don't think he'd fit in, uh, and it would be a massive shame to lose him. But going back to the question of the valuation, I do think twenty million is probably a fair price. Perfect. Uh, one more question, which is is probably not really football related or FYP related, but anyway, we we tend to have some cheese questions. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. So no, it's not, not this. No, time. We're allowed. We've decided we're allowed one like left field question. Okay. So uh, with the with the shit <laughs> without fun that we have a quota of fun questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're trying that for new season. That that was that was the idea for the new right. season. Okay. So with the, with the shitty weather, what's your favourite anti water device? A classic umbrella or a rain mac? Oh, umbrella every day of the week. Uh, it's classier. Well, war. A rain mac over I'm not. I'm an not an umbrella man. I'm, I've got an umbrella, but only because it's it's too warm to wear a rain mac, and I need to keep. Depends my, on the my rain mac dry. you're thinking of, because you can the, get these quite nice sort of like indie rain macs that are quite cool, a see, bit like the old style yeah. kind of like uh, Kagool weirdo kind of Kagool ones. Don't the know thing is, I, I I work in London, and when it rains, you end up with all these umbrella fascists walking around who have no idea that there are other people who are not carrying umbrellas, and, and they just agree. poke you in the eye. They're hitting the well, head. But do you know what? That is genuinely one of my life's fears: is getting my eyes poked out by umbrella spikes. Oh, it's, Seriously, it's infuriating. I'm and so now, by it. now as I'm walking along, I have to actually pre-plan my route just to make sure that I'm missing out on all the umbrellas. I agree about around. that because people just they just don't have a clue. So for me, I, I would say that. A, a Mac but an umbrella sort of used forward. properly. Well, I think we'll keep me drier than a rainbow. Properly mat. used umbrella, yeah. Ap- which I can't right do. Way. I struggle with umbrellas, so I still manage to get really wet despite uh, having one. You but know what? The, I, tell I you think what the answer I think they're better is. than Max. Spin it, spin the umbrella every now and then when it's really dripping down with rain. Spin it a little bit, and it will get rid of the rain. And and plus, then you look just quite jaunty if yeah. you're spinning an umbrella. And sometimes, if you want to do it to the side, you end up looking like some of those Gene kind Kelly. of stage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gene so yeah, there, there you go. Rain. I'm just a pool of this. <laughs> 
Thanks for that question, Rob Sutherland. <laughs> that was a good question. I thought that was really good. That was, was from, from? Uh, that was from Michael Casey. Okay, thanks, well done, Michael. Michael. Thanks, Michael. That was really good. So anyway, we'll round it you off at that point. Michael. <laughs> To be honest, Michael, if you've disgusted Andy Street, you've done well in life. That's actually true. Yeah, this is true. There are plenty of people who are. Anyway, uh, moving on. (laughs) Catch up with us in part three where we'll discuss uh, the Shrewsbury game and then uh, the Chelsea fixture at the weekend. And welcome back to part three of the Five Year Plan Podcast. Brought to you by JC Innovation and Strategy, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. Better than Jeremy Clarkson. That's true. More tuneful than John Cale. <laughs> oh, More good. pretty than Jesus Christ. Oh, oh you ruined it. Sorry. Uh, and then also uh, Vector Printing, which is at www.vector.co.uk. And that's Vector with a K. Okay. Excellent. Um, okay. So we're moving on to uh, talk about Palace's upcoming fixtures. So we've got Shrewsbury tomorrow night, yeah. uh, which is Tuesday night for anyone listening after tomorrow, you know, because that happens too. So if they're listening after then, then what a, what a surprising win it was for Shrewsbury. Oh, oh, amazing. Well, we should we we to form as well. You know, for Shrewsbury, we've well, we never been Shrewsbury, them. yeah. Uh, we, we ha- I think we have like once or twice. Oh, yeah, a couple of we times. Went, but in the 80s. In the 80s, we yeah. went through a run of never, never beating them for So, ages, yeah, congratulations, so. Shrewsbury. They're probably going to be playing um, Chelsea in the next round or something. It's just like as well that Kevin's not here, or this will be like a 25 minute segment with him <laughs> about the, the bogey team thing. And all of us looking bemused and Endicott looking off his face for no particular reason. But, uh, yeah, Shrewsbury, eh? Uh, it should be an interesting game, I guess. For for Palace fans, um, we're we're probably expecting uh, a, a, a young squad to take part. Mm. Uh, Pardew mentioned that it would be uh, that there would be lots of changes. Who's out on loan? Because are, are any of our youngsters out at the moment, or um, will they will they be around? To yeah, play? Ryan is, Innes is out on loan. Boateng's, uh, Boateng's out, out on loan. Kai Kai went. In out fact, I think every, no, I don't think he's gone back. No, not no. yet. He's supposed to be going to a championship side. Apparently, every loan player that played this weekend actually was on a winning side. So they right, like, well good. done, well done them. But anyway, it, it does look like. There'll be changes, or will it be? Will it be a, a team that has uh, some fringe players? So will well, given Bannon the play or Guardiola? Yeah. yeah, Jedi might start. Uh, Mariapa, Mariapa, Ledley, Bannon probably, Hennessy. Yeah, probably won't. I, don't know. I think you'll see a second string. Yeah, you'll see. You probably see. He might well start with Ledley and Jedi. It'll be the side that uh, starts on the bench with a couple of other. You know, no, that's the, a good. I mean, bloody hell, our second string now Kelly is, is well. almost as good as you know most a lot of first teams down the bottom of the Premier League. If you've got Jedi and Ledley as your back in your backup midfielders, bloody hell, that's that's, a, that's a great squad. To me, I, I, it must be difficult for Pardew because you, you're you're basically you've you've got this squad that helped to secure us uh, Premier League the Premier League status last season, and you're now essentially saying to them, well, you you know, you're good enough for the League Cup. Uh, with the likes of Ledley, especially who Mike Wicks loves, um, well, he does have a great bid. He does have a great. Beard. Oh, he has a good bid. And Jedi yeah. as well. Um, but you know, they're, they're, we've got these players who, who really, in, in fairness, could be playing for another Premier, you know, a Premier mm. League side in the bottom, in the lower half, um, and they're not. And so they're 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 going to be playing playing against Shrewsbury. Do you think that that they're going to be fighting for an opportunity to start, or like is there going is there that opportunity to come? Well, it's going to be difficult know. for them in some ways, in that you know the, the transfer window hasn't got that many days left now, and albeit you know that most footballers who play at that level will probably back themselves to get into the team. You know, obviously fans are going to be speculating on 
forums and on Twitter and on Facebook about who should start but if I'm Joe Ledley I'm going I'm as good as any of these midfielders I, I offer something that they don't I've been part of a successful team here I've not got a Joe Ledley beard so no I've looking, looking at your beard you're, you're nowhere near Joe Ledley but you know a player play like him may well back himself to be able to force himself back into contention mm. you could see that there'd be certain situations where he would be a, a reasonable shout to go in that midfield against certain teams so um I suppose it all, it all ultimately depends on who comes in for any of these players, and then they they're going to have to weigh it up to a certain extent. I don't, I don't think as well. Like it, you, you can't judge a player, a Premier League player, if you're in a, uh, another club looking at them, looking at Jedi, and he plays well against Shrewsbury. Yeah. That's not that's, an, an even. You it's know, the same field. argument for Pardew. It's highly unlikely then that a, a player playing well against Shrewsbury will suddenly start against Chelsea let's be honest no unless like Gale scores 10 goals or something then I don't I, I don't think he's going to squeeze himself back into the first team but I really I think these games I mean in, with all due respect to Shrewsbury here, here we go cliche and number 20 for me um, these games I think are a good chance for young younger players who are, won't get many opportunities this season to show what they can do I hope Kai Kai plays if he's not out on loan this is how much I know about the current squad um, I he's hope because he's he's really exciting talent and I'd like to see him given an opportunity and there's some other younger players as well whose names escape me Keshi Anderson who played today for scored the four goals or something it's unlikely that he'll play two games in a row but yeah he scored four goals I'd against, be surprised uh, if you got you know Gerald will start in that one I would have yeah thought. I would imagine so do All you right. think it's realistic to without wishing to jinx it is it realistic to expect Palace to win this no not no. at all no, I'd, I'd, I'd make Shrewsbury very heavy favourites. I think they are with most bookies. Yeah, um, and given the choice, do you think that uh, do you think the League Cup is a good opportunity for us as a as a competition to to pursue? Uh, I don't think Pardew will take it super seriously unless we sort of force our way through to the last stage, which can stage. come because of a you know it can come with a, a run. You, you have plenty of teams who make it to the semi final without even trying particularly hard from the Premier League so you know if, like if we get to the quarterfinals then he'll probably start taking it seriously until then you'll probably see seven I'd like teams. us to I think I think we're talking about the progress of Palace I think we're at a stage now where you know a, a good cut run isn't beyond the realms of possibility so yeah basically what I'm saying is I think we definitely should win the league so we're moving on from Shrews to uh, Chelsea yep. um, it's obviously going to be a completely different challenge um, are we talking you know what What? What? who do you think is? do you think do you Sounds great, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm so desperate to get this out. Do you think we'll start with the same lineup as we did uh, on Saturday, or are we going to? Should we look a little bit more defensively? Well, I don't know. We're going to have uh, yeah. John Terry out, obviously. So that's going to be a big blow for us. And I think, other than that, we'll probably start with. <laughs> had to be done. Uh, is it realistic for Jednak to be playing a game like this? Yeah, I, I mean, should Chelsea be? are massive in the middle of the park. Yeah. Matic is a bit of a beast. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, you know, if, if they decide to, because Fabregas hasn't been playing particularly well for them, then Mikel came on on Sunday against West Brom. Might be that you know, Mourinho decides just to focus on being a slightly more solid team by, by playing a Mikel as well. And then you're looking at an incredibly big midfield, particularly given that they want to give a little bit more protection to the centre backs than they've been given recently. Um, and the way that Diego Costa also drifts into midfield sometimes. He drifts into he's midfield a and he's a horrible, oh, he's, horrible. A he's brilliant. Well. He is a oh brilliant God. footballer and he's so, fantastic at what he does, but he's just horrible. He's such so an antagonist. You kind of know what you're going to get with him. I, I fully back our sort of centre backs actually to be able to deal with someone like him, but it might be that Pardew decides that because he does sometimes drop deep that he wants a Jednak in there. You'd think that. I, I hope so. You know, Chelsea do tend to be fairly rampant at, at the bridge as well I mean I know they've not started this season particularly well but 
Um, what two of those games have been away anyway? Um, in, in sort of a couple of them, there've been a couple of you know marginal decisions that have seen a couple of red cards. So in that respect, would you say that then having maybe um, Punchin on the left or on the right and Zaha on the other wing? And then maybe having Kabai in the kind of number ten role is that the is would that be the way to go forward? He's never really played a huge amount at number ten, but there, there again, I think he's got the ability to do so. Mm. You know, Punch hadn't played a huge amount at number ten until we started him there at times last season. He started to look really good. I mean, if you have got the basic abilities that Kabai has, which is you know awareness, touch, uh, balance, change of direction, passing, shooting, there's no reason why he couldn't play at number ten if you decided to, to give him a go there. Uh, it would arguably. You know, forsake his really good defensive abilities because like he is clearly very good at anticipating where the ball is going to fall. He's very good at you know putting in challenges, winning the ball back, interceptions, etc. But yeah, I mean, against a team like Chelsea, if you just want that big horrible bastard that we spoke about last week to be at the base of midfield, maybe you know you keep combining the team by pushing him a bit further up. Do you think, um, in terms of JD, do you think in terms of strikers that will stick with Murray because if Wickham's still injured, or are we would we end up with Gale up front? Uh, I'd be surprised if Gale plays. Um, I think it's going to be hard for whoever plays that role up top, even though there is no John Terry, because uh, Chelsea have got more big, horrible bastards at the back. Zuma has been playing this season and looks looks good and is is an absolute beast. Um, I suspect it will prob it pr- might be Muzzer, depending on Wickham's injury. Um, we'll play one of Muzzer or Wickham. Yeah, you'd depending. You'd you know, I think if Wickham's fit, he'll he'll play. Um, well, obviously we can't play Bamford because you're not allowed to play him against his, his parent club anyway. Um, and I, I think it'd be slight lunacy to, to be honest to start with Gale in that type of game. Um, yeah. I think what we'll end up doing is you know playing which, whichever of Wickham and or Murray is fit and looking sharper in training over the week, and you then expect us to try and kind of focus on the lack of pace that Chelsea have down the side that Ivanovic is on the right hand side where they've looked very vulnerable at times so is far it, this season um, he, you're absolutely right Ivanovic has um, not looked his, his, his old self um, is it a game for Jordan Much maybe because Jordan Much played against Chelsea at the end of last season at the bridge and, and was one of our better players and for me has been showing a lot of promise um, does he get Does he get a start? I, I just really like him. I think he's. Uh, I suppose though, if you pay him, and let's be honest, Kavai will start every single game. Yeah. The amount you've paid for him. Definitely. So if you're playing much, he's obviously playing at the number ten role. You'd imagine, or possibly just off the striker, but sort of in that advanced central central role. You then got Kabai there. Are you going to really persist with MacArthur, or are you going to go Jedi? I think, like, I think then it, you need a Jedi. Yeah, so I mean that would then arguably mean dropping MacArthur, which would be a little bit harsh in him because um, he's, he's not done very, anything wrong. But, yeah. Um, Either way, it's it's going to be a conundrum for Pardew, isn't it? Yeah, as always, cliche. really. <laughs> well, I think certainly, you know, I, I was more scared about going to the bridge for the away game last season than I am right now. Like mm. they, they have looked defensively fragile at times so far this season. They've conceded a lot of shots. Like again, if you look at the really nerdy stats blogs that I read, um, they're actually conceding far, far, far more opportunities all over the pitch than mm. than they were last season. Last season, they and we'll remember from the time they played us at Selhurst Park, where really, if we're honest about it, uh, other than Fraser Campbell's chance, we barely got a sniff. Yeah, and you know they were just incredibly solid, incredibly well disciplined, like retained the shape brilliantly. Didn't really let anything down the flanks because mm, as soon as it went down there, you know they were making sure they're doubling up. Anything that got crossed into the ball, they had their monsters of centre backs. This season, they're looking a lot more porous, mm. and it's no coincidence that they're now, they're now thinking about splashing forty million quid on a centre back. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, hopefully John Stones isn't there in time for the match oh, to God, yeah. sort of shore them up a little bit. We so, have we uh, have options though. I mean, Wilf had a good game against them in the last season as well, and, and scared them a bit. So we definitely got chances, and it's great that we're going to this game against Premier League champions at their place, and we're not just assuming we're going to get rolled over. Mm. We're assuming that Palace will will give them a game. So it's good. on the subject of giving them a game, what do you think your prediction is going to be? Five uh, nil Chelsea, ten nil Palace. No, I think it's going to be close. I think two one Chelsea maybe, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put Palace. Uh, past uh, sneaking a, a draw, possibly. I think we can get a draw. I mean, yeah. I know you're not going to. Palace aren't going to beat Chelsea at the bridge. And if they do, I'm going to eat my hat. Um, you haven't got a hat. Which do you have a hat? I'll get a hat. I can get a hat. You'll get a hat just to eat it. I'll get a hat just to eat it. For that sake alone, I think it'll be a 2 1 win to Palace. Shock okay. Oh, there you go. And again, there'll be a lot Good. of hat eating going crossed on. Oh, going I'm away. going for a 1 1 draw. Nice. Yeah, we always concede goals, so I think a, a, a goal conceded. Yeah, this, is, this, this was my uh, comment on Saturday. What odds on Palace not keeping a single clean sheet <laughs> all season? Mm. I think we we're going to some of the teams down the bottom. I think I think against you likes it, Bournemouth and Watford, and Watford haven't scored many goals. I think you, you'll probably be alright against them, but we're going to concede more goals this season, definitely. Mm. But I think we're going to score lots as well. So there you go. Cliche number twenty for me for the end of the pod. That's on the rest. So of just to yeah, just let's round that off there. Um, JD, thank you. Thanks. It's been, I mean, it's been an experience to be the other side of the fence. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just weird looking at you sat there in the presenter's chair, <laughs> in my chair. It's, like, it's not a very nice chair, actually. It doesn't have much padding. Um, Andy, thank you as well. You do, though. Hey! Ginger You're welcome. <laughs> and thank you guys for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.